Hi, I'm Linda Calabresi. I'm a GP and the medical editor of HealthEd. Welcome to our unique podcast series now available direct to your device. The series features some of Australia's leading clinical experts talking on topics that are both practical and important to Australian GPs. Understanding our babies and sleep. Some common tips for, your, for you as GPs, for your parents on why babies won't always sleep. My name is Cindy Davenport. I'm the Clinical Director of Safe Sleep Space and Sleep Smart and been working in the field with parents for many years. Today we're going to give you some tips on why parents come to you as GPs. They come to you frequently to seek advice around issues of infant sleep and settling. It's common and there are some really easy ways that we're here today to help you assist your parents who come to you. Your time is poor in the service and your appointment time and so today you need some quick tips. Parents are often looking for a diagnosis when they come to see you as a GP, when in actual fact, sleep issues may be quite within normal limits. 40% of all our babies across Australia, across the world, have a sleep issue. And we don't really like to call it a problem because it is an issue. And it's something that generally, you can give them some quick tips, reassure them, and keep a watch on them. But generally, everything can be sorted out quite easily. And it's quite common. First of all, of course, always rule out any underlying medical issues. You know this as a GP. We always check for, for certain things that might be underlying, that might be disrupting the infant or the, or the toddler, in fact, sleep. We really need to look at safety. We really need to look at the safe sleeping and our second webinar will also cover that um, as well. So tune in for that. Really consider the age and stage of our little ones. Developmental age has to be so appropriate. Managing the parent expectations on what can be expected of a little one and their sleep patterns can be quite enormous for you as a GP. So we'll go through a little bit of the age and stage as well. Example, a three month old is going to wake and is meant to wake around the, the clock to feed, as is a six month old. They're biologically adaptive to feed around the 24 hour clock. So, and this, there, there are certain tips you can give your parents. Really also consider that emotional health. Often, as a GP, you will see the parent come into you and we'll go through some of the most common reasons, but they'll come in and you will literally peel back a Band-Aid. And as the GP, you can offer them some, some gems, some real pieces of advice that will help them to organise and settle their baby for sleep. So let's look at what are the most common reasons a parent presents to you when it comes to sleep. And there will be no surprises here, but let's help you through some of these. The most common challenges that we get for infants, of course, are catnapping. We'll talk about the cycle and what's expected of a little infant, that it is only 25 to 35 minutes. They often wake overnight. This is very, un very unsettling and difficult for parents. They're difficult to either settle down to sleep or they might have settled and then they're difficult to resettle. Sleep associations, it's a big one. Often we find that if we can help our parents with sleep associations, identifying the way that they aid their little one to go to sleep and what to do about that, then it's often the best and the easiest tip you can give them as a GP. And we're going to discuss that. Again, setting up realistic parental expectations. 
looking at that baby aging stage. Biologically adapted they are to feed around the 24 hour clock. They're meant to wake for feeds. We need to normalise the age and stage of our little ones. And probably a parent will ask, when are they going to sleep through the night? And that's a big question that you probably can put no definitive answer around because it is different. And each baby needs to be considered um, for who they are, what they're doing, ensuring they've got healthy weight gains and there isn't anything else happening for them. We really do need to wait until our baby is three months of age at the minimum to see any patterns start to emerge. Now it doesn't mean we can't help our parents set up some healthy patterns but we're not going to see a lot happen before that 12 week mark. And before the age of that, that there is very little evidence of any uh, predictable circadian rhythm. They are meant, meant to mix up their day and night and this is a common uh, question you'll probably get from the parent. In fact, this goes on for longer and little ones, they really do mix up their day and night round about till they're almost five, six months of age. Again, because they're meant to feed around the 24 hour clock. However, they really just don't have any predictable circadian rhythm. They don't have enough melatonin on board to help them work out that circadian rhythm and help them with that day and night. There's patterns you can help them with and there's some great tips that we'll give you here today. Really helpful um, to refer to the 24-hour government um, movement guidelines. And what we love about this is pointing out to the parent what is required for physical activity. And that is, you know, for our little ones, being physically active several times a day in a variety of ways through supervised interactive floor-based play. And look, for those who are not yet mobile, this really includes at least 30 minutes of supervised tummy time spread throughout the day when they're awake. What we love about these guidelines is, is that they include sedentary behaviour. It's so important to explain to parents not to restrain babies, you know, for long lengthy periods of time. Here's the hours of sleep. Now we never love to say exactly what a baby has to have because often parents might take this very much um, strict, strictly, but around about 14 to 17 hours for those little ones, less than three months, and about 12 to 16 hours for those little babies who are about four to 11 months of age. Good quality sleep, which includes naps. So let's get into some of the practical strategies here for our session and things that you can help our parents with. The concept of four. It's easy, it's simple, it's quite quick and easy for you as a GP in your practice to explain to parents. It's something we use at safe sleep space all the time. Our organisation has a lot of clinical team um, who can also speak to families about these concepts as well. So the concept of four, what is it? There are four types of cries that a baby gives us, and we'll explore that. There's what we call our four cry out response. This is key. This is so easy for you to implement in your, in your appointment. Look for four early tired signs, and I'll explain those too. And then some simple steps to settling. So the concept of four, and parents, they're tired. They're looking for some quick and some easy strategies, some helpful things for you to give them. We really want you as a GP to help parents recognise the early tired signs. And these are the subtle signs. 
a long blank stare that a little baby gives us, and maybe a pale face. They become easily bored and they might in fact look away and then come back to you and you think, ah, oh, they're actually still engaging with me when in actual fact they are winding down. Not forgetting that tired signs are our way, and it's the same for all of us, as our delta brainwaves winding down for sleep. So parents need to see these early tired signs. And another one is a long blink or so. If a parent is seeing what we'll call potent or late tired signs, rubbing eyes, pulling ears, grizzling, yawning, hiccups. If you're seeing a baby yawn or a parent is seeing a baby yawn, it's almost too late. They've missed that window of opportunity and they are in fact heading into that overtired signs. This is harder to get a little one to settle. So try to ask your parents to look for the early signs. Helping our parents understand infant crying is absolutely key and there's some really quick tips here too. Crying, as we know, is a newborn's only way of telling a parent they need help. It's their only way of communicating. They don't have words, of course. Crying will peak at around six to eight weeks. It's a period of intense crying and it's really difficult for parents. No parent wants to hear their infant cry. But if parents understand that crying can peak at around that, that period, six to eight weeks, they can anticipate and it sets them up more for um, intending on what to do and helping with that patterning. Crying is often a sign too that a baby is tired or could be overstimulated. We need to, of course, check that the child is growing, gaining weight and otherwise happy and GP yourself so happy with anything that isn't under underlying like medically. But parents really, crying is a really, really tricky one for them. So there are four types of cries that a newborn baby or a baby will give us. There is a grizzly cry, so a grizzle, like a little grizzly cry. There's a fussing crying as they often do this as they're nesting and getting themselves into that deeper sleep pattern. There's a vocalising cry. We'll often see this for our little ones who are just starting to get those words around that seven to eight month mark, you know, they're mum, 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 but the fourth cry, the forceful cry, is what we really need to be able to help our parents pick up on. And so when we talk about cries, we want parents to listen to the cries. And this is a, this is a real key. Give them this four cry out process because a parent will often see you as a GP and say, I don't know how long to listen to their cries. How long should I wait for the cry? And remembering we want to do an infant mental health approach to settling to sleep. We do not want our babies to cry and we don't need them to do any uh, crying. So listening to the cries is key. Four cries, it's a simple way. Ask the parent to listen to what that baby is doing on their first cry. It takes a number of seconds. Then get them to listen to the second cry. What is the baby doing? Are they grizzling? Are they fussing? On that third cry, is that cry tapering off? And in fact, the little one, like us, is just nesting. They're grizzling and the cry is tapering down. If, though, on the fourth cry, it is becoming louder, forceful, this is the cue for the parent to go in and assist the baby to help them to settle to sleep. Now, they're saying, I need help. Now, it doesn't mean also that the parent has to go straight in and pick up the baby. We don't want to do that straight away. We want to just go in and, and respond to the baby. So this is when we get into the strategies that we'd want the, babe, the parent to maybe start some shushing. You know, shushing is something that the baby intuitively has heard in utero for, for a long time. They're, they're able to hear a parent do some shh, 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 shh. 
So that is the first thing as the parent walks in and approaches the baby to do some of that shushing. Then start a little bit of the padding. As we know, we've always pat our babies and padding has come around from the fact that the parents or the baby has been in utero again, listening to the heartbeat. And that is the sound or the rhythm of a pat. So if the parent goes in and pats the end of the mattress where the baby's feet are, this is often helpful. And do some shushing and patting. And then see if this escalates and whether or not, in fact, the baby needs to be picked up. And that's okay too. And each parent is different and needs to respond. And they might pick them up and put them into an upright cuddle and then get them to calm and put them back down again and stay with them as they get them to go off to sleep. Now, I really wanna just discuss infant temperament. It is so key with sleep because parents often feel that particularly if this is a, a second child, why isn't my child sleeping the second baby like my first did? Understanding the child's temperament can really help us uh, to react and relate to the world of sleep. There are three types of temperament that our little ones have. We all have, in fact. Easy, very flexible temperament. About 40% of us have that temperament. Then there is the more active, or what are called more feisty. Again, there is nothing wrong with anyone's temperament. It is genetic, it is what we're born with. And it is often the same, either the baby's temperament will be the same as yourself or your partner's. There is also the slow to warm or the cautious temperament. About 15% of us all fall into, the, into this last bracket. Now making up 65% of course, there is a range between the, um, these temperaments. But not all children's temperaments fall neatly into one of these. In fact, it's really good for the parent to recognise that the uh, temperament is a range of intensity. It doesn't change over time, so if a parent knows and understands how to help their little one with that temperament and get them to sleep, that is really, really a key um, piece of information as a GP you can give them. Example here is if you've got a little one that is a little bit more active and feisty, nothing wrong with this. They need a little bit more preparation in going to sleep. They might need the extra book, the extra song, the extra wind down, getting their brainwaves wiring down for sleep. All right, and it's really important to discuss temperament because often parents have a mixed temperament. Their temperament is different as well to their little one, but it it's really helps them understand. As does sleep windows and understanding these. Now, a sleep window is that time that a parent can not look by the clock. We don't want to look precisely at the clock. We want to read our babies and their cues and their tired signs and what they're telling us. But it can be really helpful as a gauge for you as a GP to explain to parents so they don't keep them up too long because keeping a baby up too long makes them overtired and grumpy. Newborn sleep windows are really short, maybe 45. 60 minutes. By the time they're three to five months, it's about one and a half, two hours of awake time before they're going to show some tired signs and need to be put to sleep or back into their, into their safe sleep space to go to sleep. At six to eight months, about a two to three hour window of awake time. Nine to 12 months, it's again, three to four hours of awake time. And then you, generally by about 13 months, up to around 2.5 years. It's about one sleep by this stage and it's around about five to six hours of wake time. Generally a lunchtime sleep is here. So really helping parents understand what these windows are helps them if they're unsure when to put their baby to settle to sleep, look for the tired signs happening around about these sleep windows. 
looking at the sleep cycle, this is something that you could probably have around for your um, parents. It will help them really be key and understand, especially when it comes to sleep associations and why our little ones catnap, which is our next little section we'll cover right now. A sleep cycle for an infant is only 35 to 45 minutes. So that is from the time they are awake down into that deeper sleep and then up into that rapid eye movement or that lighter sleep phase. It's around about 35 to 45 minutes. For all your little uh, babies or the parents who come to you who say, my little one is catnapping, this is exactly what happens. They can only do one sleep cycle and don't know how to go back down into that second sleep cycle um, without either assistance. And this is generally something that we see. It's the most common thing as a GP, I'm sure, that you'd be seeing and helping them with that sleep association as well. So exactly why is that baby going off to sleep and how can they... Um, then go back down into the next sleep cycle. And we'll talk about that too. Looking at sleep charts is really helpful and there is a whole lot here that you can download off our Safe Sleep Space website to help your families and help your parents. There's a toddler and infant sleep cycle. The recommended hours of sleep is also here and the numbers of sleep. So when do you cut down from two to one sleep or two sleeps to three sleeps, etc. So generally a little baby under the age of sort of eight months, they're probably having two sleeps and a cat nap and then they really don't cut down to two sleeps till they really reach around that, that eight to 14 months. And then after that age of 14 months, then they might drop down to one sleep per day, but all here on the recommended number of hours of sleep. Let's look here finally at some common scenarios. The most common one, as we've talked about, is your baby, the baby comes in and the parent says they're waking frequently or catnapping. Catnapping, let's see, some real gems to discuss. They do catnap a lot, especially in the first few months. They're meant to wake for feeds very frequently. And it's important to acknowledge that with parents, of course. And before that three, eight months of age, as we said, there is that little evidence of a predictable circadian rhythm. So they will wake quite frequently and feed. And those states of sleep are often quite disorganised. And the other points here to discuss with a family, it's often sleep is distributed throughout the day and night, like with lots of feeding frequency. So short sleeps are quite normal. And sleep states can't really be observed as either rapid eye movement or non-rapid eye movement during this period. They're often called an indeterminate sleep. And newborns very much spend about 80% of their day sleeping, waking only for feeding every one to three hours. And this settles down by about the age of 10 to 12 weeks and then a bit of circadian rhythm, but they still feed frequently here around the 24 hour clock. So when it comes to catnapping, um, it's really important to explain to parents that's the length of the cycle. The progression we call this, not a sleep regression. This is something a parent will come to you and say, oh, is my baby having a sleep regression? And we're going to talk here about the four month sleep regression. In actual fact, at Safe Sleep Space, we like to call it a brain progression because it is simply when a baby is having a burst of brain development. There's a number of these, what we'll call progressions or parents will coin sleep regression. We don't use that term, sleep regression. We find it's got um, more of a negative 
negative connotation when in actual fact it's a great thing. The little baby's brain is having a burst of brain development and as you would know as a GP it always is in line with a stage of development. They're either going to roll or crawl or get new words on board and basically the baby is, is saying ah oh, I can't quite master the fact of sleeping and doing this rolling thing or this this uh, sitting up thing. Just a moment while I have this uh, progression of my brain. It's a really positive thing and if you say uh, to a parent those sort of words and they're more likely to understand and it's not so difficult. This, these progressions happen around these phases. Six weeks, three to four months, six months, eight to ten months, twelve months, eighteen months and around that two years of age. So here is a summary of, of a four-month sleep regression which they will present to you. It's in line as we said with developmental milestones. Parents if they know when they happen can anticipate again and, and set themselves up. Ah oh, that's right they're having a developmental milestone and parents will often present to you very teary. They will and they're wondering if they ever their baby will ever sleep again. Yes they will. There's lots going on in the infant brain and lots more onboarding of melatonin. Their time of rolling often, that first one at four months, is when the parent really has that aha moment. Like, oh, ah, oh, that's right, my GP spoke to me about this. And their brain is progressing. They're learning, mastering a new skill, and their sleep is a little bit off, off it, but it will come back on. The next one is when a baby needs to be rocked or held to sleep. Really common here. Again, looking at the sleep cycle. If a baby is rocked, maybe patted, perhaps even driven around in the car to sleep, these are sleep associations. And as you know, if a baby goes to sleep in this way, when they come up out of that deep or non-REM sleep, into that lighter active or rapid eye movement sleep, they're going to be needing that same way they went to sleep, rocked patted, driven in the car. I'm sure you've all seen that ad. You know that the babe, the dad is driving around all night. That's the way a baby only knows to go to sleep. So we need to help the parent to not put the baby to sleep in this particular way. And using some gentle settling strategies, the shushing, the patting, and there's some tip sheets here to help you with this to hand out to parents. It's really key. It's not that we don't want to feed our babies, to feed our babies at all. They need to be fed, but no, it's just not fed to a deep sleep. Supporting that anxious parent, this is something that is really, really key. Often a parent will present to you very teary, very anxious with a sleep uh, issue for their baby. In actual fact, it's often not even a sleep issue. We, are, we often support the parent around their own anxiety if they're having any um, mental health issues and then they're more likely to be able to help their little one to settle to sleep. Often sleep will just fall hand in hand. So some final tips here as we end this, this webinar. What we'd love you to do is also use Circle of Security. It's a concept that has been developed and created by Glenn, Kent, Bert and Bob and it is a fantastic, as you'd probably see, uh, the Circle of Security offering our little babies a secure base and a safe haven letting them go out and explore but always having those safe hands to come back into. It is the underlying and foundations of what we do at Safe Sleep Space and we'd really love you to be able to discuss that with your parents. Look, listen and respond. Babies, as we said, cry to give us uh, their way of communicating. We're meant to give our full attention to a crying baby. It's their language. Understanding and responding to their cues will nurture that attachment and, and help their social emotional development. The settling, 
as we said, putting an infant in a safe space, walking away calmly. Listen, respond with the shushing in your voice. Remaining still, approach the cot from the side, go down low. Don't ever approach the cot from over the top because they'll think they're going to get picked up and rightly so. Approach the cot from the side, down in between the bars and put put your hands in there. The dads will often ask you, I can't get my hands in the cot bars. So we say go to the end of the cot where the baby's feet are and go over the side of the, the end of the cot there for the dads as well. Give them the opportunity to practice these new experiences, but settling is not meant to be long and giving anyone a headache or a parent getting them teary. It's the opportunity to give them a few moments of, of trying to settle with your help. And if it doesn't work, then pick the baby up and settle them to sleep and try again. Short, little, sharp experiences and only at the discretion of the parent. Every parent responds differently. So small time frames and ensure that the, the parent is well supported. Lots of tip sheets, as we said, on our Safe Sleep Space um, site that you can sign up for and lots of other uh, wonderful content resources. So go to our Safe Sleep Space and see if we uh, can help you. If parents need a phone consultation, the fact sheets, uh, visit us here. Thank you and hope you've enjoyed. Bye for now. Thank you for joining us. We hope you are enjoying this series and will recommend it to your friends and colleagues. I'm Linda Calabresi and on behalf of the team here at HealthEd, I look forward to joining you soon for our next podcast. If you enjoyed this audio segment, you can find out more about our free webcast lectures, which can be accessed from any device on our website at healthed.com.au. The podcasts published on this page are for medical professionals only. The content is not a substitute for medical advice. If you have a health issue, you should seek the advice of a suitable qualified health professional.